to be a yogi. I'm Edward Reed. And I'm Lindsay Kimura. Today we'll be interviewing Stephanie Tenser. She has opened up a studio in uh, Toronto, Canada. Good morning, Edward. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How about you? Very well. Thank you. Good. I just got your note about the class yesterday. I did not, like, I saw the messages going back and forth. Oh, right. But I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, like, didn't even realize. Because I sent you that po- the Tim Ferriss podcast link from, uh-huh. from my your cell phone. I figured but, like, that's I what it was. I looked at your messages before that. So you're probably like, wait, why is she sending me a podcast? But I just asked about something. I figured that's what it was, <laughs> that you just wanted to share that real quick, but you hadn't like taken the time to see all that craziness. That I couldn't believe I did that. I really need to look at, uh, just to explain to our audience who don't know what we're talking about, yesterday I accepted a sub-request for yesterday, thinking it was a sub request for a week from yesterday. And I was at Disneyland. So I get a text, I accepted it. And I told Janie, I'm like, okay, so next Thursday, I'm gonna be teaching this class. And then at 530, I got a text reminder, you are teaching in Burbank in two hours. And I'm in Anaheim. And I'm like, if I sprinted and ran to my car right now, and just peeled rubber I would not make it to that class, you know? And so I, and, and I had like 8% battery on my phone. So it was, oh, like, no. it was crazy. So I called, I called the front desk and of course everything worked out. And, uh, and I, I did manage to use Janie's phone to log in and resubmit the request. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. And what a contrast to go from Disneyland to, like, <laughs> to panicking about work. I literally was walking off of a ride. I forget which one, like probably probably haunted house or something and just like what <laughs> and Janie's like okay well why don't you take care of that as soon as we get to such and such I'm like no I have to sit down on the concrete right where I'm standing right now and deal with this <laughs> oh, I can't God. put this off for five minutes you know thank God for technology too right yeah those little notifications it's funny though because you get into yoga thinking oh it'll be very serene and relaxing <laughs> Something like that comes along, and it's <laughs> sometimes it can be as mundane as anything else. <laughs> yeah, it's like the opposite of yoga. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it looks like our guest is ready to join in, so let's get to that interview, shall we? Hello, welcome to the To Be a Yogi podcast. Am I here? You're here. Yeah. Uh, yeah really? <laughs> yeah. I was expecting that to work. Okay, fantastic. (laughs) So I like to start out with kind of an unusual question. So if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about the meaning of your name. Sure. Well, I I don't actually know much about the meaning of Stephanie. Oh, we can fix Um, that. I'll look it up while you're talking about Tensor. Okay, but Tensor has, there has always been um, a story that was told um, to me by my, my great-grandfather, who I knew as a young child, nice. um, and he told this story. So my ancestors came from, like my, that side of the family came from Poland and a small town named Ludge, and there were three brothers um, with the last name Schwartz, and Apparently, it was just two out of the three brothers, but two of the brothers were really good dancers. Hmm. And in Yiddish, the word for dancer is tanser. 
Cool. And so two of the brothers ended up becoming tensors. And apparently we have a Schwartz long lost cousin of some sort um, as well. How cool. And I always actually really love that story. I love and that. Funny enough, um, through the you know, joys of uh, social media and Facebook and all that, there was a, a group that I came across that I forget what it was called like Tensors Reunite or something. It was all people with the last name Tensor. And I, I joined that group and this story was actually confirmed. There was another man with the last name Tensor who obviously I didn't know from somewhere else in the world who had been told this same exact story from Ludge, three Schwartzes and the dancer thing and everything. And I just thought that was incredible because we always just assume that it was, you know, a story, not necessarily true, but that's beautiful. Steph, uh, Stephanie means crown. So as a oh. yogi, you can think of the uh, what's the Sanskrit name of the crown chakra? Sahasrara. Yes, and dancer. So crown dancer is your name. All right, I'll take it. That's great. <laughs> that's a good name. <laughs> and I was also thinking, guys, this is more anatomical, but the tensor fascia latte <laughs> in the hip. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> that works too. Yes. Do you have flexible hips? <laughs> I I kind of do. Yeah, yes. I kind of do. And uh, yeah, I actually I kind of related to that story too because I um, I mean I'm not a dancer and I don't particularly have good rhythm, but I do think I like the idea of that. My ancestors also having an interest in body work and being able to do that kind of stuff. And yeah. I thought, oh, well, I do that. So maybe it comes by me naturally in, oh, cool. in some way. Yeah. And I think everybody has dancer. It's just a matter of bringing it out. Yeah, yeah. that's probably true, too. <laughs> so how did you get started in yoga? Um, my trajectory was um, uh, unexpected. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. As a young person, I actually had very little interest in anything movement related, like dance or sports or physical things like that. I was always more that person that would be, you know, reading or doing crafty things or that sort of thing. And then in my early 20s, I woke up one day and couldn't move. Like I had really, really serious back pain. And um, it was completely debilitating. And I spent the next number of years trying all sorts of things. Like I sort of had to put my life on hold in terms of school and work and all that kind of stuff and just um, figure out how to get myself to a place of at least management with the pain. Um, so I tried a whole bunch of things and it took a long time, many years, this and that. Eventually I did end up having surgery. And after the surgery, um, my surgeon said, okay, you have to do something like do physio, do yoga, do whatever. And not long, it was actually right before the surgery, my husband or pro- fiance probably at the time, um, his aunt just recommended her yoga teacher, her Iyengar yoga teacher, and said, you know, I don't know if this would help you, but she knows a lot about the body. 
um, maybe you want to try it out. And I always, like, I would try a therapy, I would give it, you usually gave it like a couple of months and to see if it would do anything. And then I would move on if it wasn't helping me. And um, the thought of like going to a yoga class where I wasn't necessarily around other sick people or broken people was really attractive to me at that time. And so I tried it and it really resonated. It really spoke to me. And so then after I did have the surgery, but after the surgery, I, I sought out Iyengar Yoga specifically to be my rehab. And, um, and then one thing led to another, like I just completely, the practice really spoke to me and I stuck with it. And even though, um, this, this I always find really interesting because like I said, I would stay with the different therapies for maybe about three months and if it's not working switch and even when I started yoga I didn't see pain relief I didn't experience pain relief right away Um, but after three months I wanted to keep doing it and I think I think I experienced because you know at that time dealing with everything some depression and anxiety and that sort of thing I think those benefits were instantaneous Um, but Uh, the physical pain relief like the time I would be in class would be the best I would feel all day but then then nothing changed I would go home and still be in pain so but I wanted to keep doing it so I did and I just stuck with it and um, it probably took and I've certainly seen other people experience benefit much sooner than I did with respect to yoga and back pain and that kind of thing but for whatever reason for me it took I would say like almost two years before like I really started noticing um, a reduction in pain and then at that point though it was literally like snowball like from that point until today I've just been getting better and better and better and better like the it's been really um really the transformation has been really significant and uh and uh, and as a result I'm forever grateful and as a result I um I switched careers and ended up uh, pursuing my teacher training, and now I'm doing full-time yoga. How cool. Keeps me healthy, and yeah, yeah. So where did you do your training? I did my training at Yoga Center Toronto under Marlene Marlene Mawini. She's a senior Iyengar yoga teacher in Toronto. Nice. I'm sorry, Lindsay, what were you saying? Oh, yeah. Stephanie, I wanted to know what exact back pain did you undergo? Because I have a lot of people that I encounter that don't want to try yoga because they think that their back pain is too severe to move or Mm -hmm. things like that. So I was wondering if it was skeletal or muscular or exactly what condition you had. Um, Well, back problems, I find, tend to come in in groups (laughs) you rarely have only one back problem Mm -hmm. um for me i had at that time um two herniated discs degenerative disc disease um which you know is like an earth i guess arthritic spine but they had said that the spine was like that of uh of an old person of uh you know 80 year old or something like really degenerative and then i also had a slight scoliosis and so with all of those things really it's um, when it comes to back pain, it's hard because you can have, you can get a diagnosis, but you don't really know where the pain is coming from. Like it's mm-hmm. hard to, to really determine which, which problem was causing the pain. Um, so, yeah. And I feel like you're such an inspiration for people who do have the pain and don't think they can participate in physical activity. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think, I mean, for me, I think that's part of why the Iyengar Yoga Method spoke to me, um, resonated. I had tried one or two other yoga classes and other things, but I mean, I was in such bad shape at that time that having the trust in the teacher, like feeling like the teacher was well-trained and really had an eye on me and can give me some personal attention was was huge. Like my safety was huge at that time. Um, and um, the teachers in the Iyengar method are, you know, really, the training is really extensive. Um, and And you do get a lot of personal attention in that way. So I think the specificity of the teaching and the training of the teachers, all of that just kind of invited me in and um, allowed me to sort of trust the process and give it a go because fear like the fear that you're talking about Lindsay is huge and I like I totally get that you don't want to make yourself worse and you don't want to do something that's gonna screw you up because you, mm-hmm. you suffer you pay for it for month you know weeks or days or months after um, and it's so only it's, been a few a years thought. that doctors have been recommending yoga and before that it had the same ring to it as kind of pseudoscience or something like that if somebody would say oh yoga will cure your problems and be like oh yeah but now doctors are saying it so people take it seriously yeah i think at the time i was pretty fortunate that my surgeon was was open to that 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 word even came off of his tongue at the time nice yeah and i love how you mentioned it was an environment where you weren't around other injured or sick people and how much of the psychological and actual vibration of the space helped. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you incorporate that in your classes now? Like not only the physical aspect, but really making sure the environment is set. For sure. Absolutely. Um, Both from the perspective, I mean, at our at our studio, I have a studio with my partner Sharon, nice. uh, Sharon Citrin What's in the Toronto. Studio? Also, Studio Po P O. Okay. And and um, yeah, we work really hard to create sort of a culture of friendliness and inclusiveness and um, that that sort of thing. But then also the style of teaching too. I think lends itself to to what to what you're what you're sort of alluding to what you're talking about I think um yeah again the specificity of the teaching and um I don't know how to say it like it's very direct get you know getting to the point without too much um frilliness um I think really it kind of cuts through some of the things that might be going on in your mind, right? Like some of that, that chatter. So I think that helps too. The fluff. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Well, I hope to visit your studio one day. Well, that would be lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any pointers for uh, someone who's starting out on that um, journey? The only pointer I have if, is if as a teacher, all you want to do is teach, do not open a studio. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. It's a lot of work, yeah. And I, I actually quite love it. Um, uh, I love the idea of being able to 
you know, do things our way and create that community, like the vision of the community that we want. I think that's that's was part of the motivation for yeah. for going in with Sharon and and doing this. Um, but uh, I think sometimes yoga teachers might underestimate how much other work is involved. Right. <laughs> yes, you the studio basically are a business person, right? Absolutely, yeah, completely, completely. Are you both in LA, Los Angeles? Yes. Yep, I'm in Los Piles. And I'm in Highland Park, so we're about a, without traffic, we're about a 10-minute drive from one another. Yeah, and Stephanie, I was going to ask you, because um, recently I've been undergoing Uh, I started teaching last year, but I've been practicing since 2003 and I've been focusing on the meditation limb of yoga and like the focus limb. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering how you incorporate the eight limbs at your studio, Um, you know, in addition to the asana, which I feel is is very common in yoga studios and like what you do for the other limbs. So the Iyengar method is often referred to or talked about as meditation in action. And so we will use the nuance of the pose, you know, that very precise detail oriented. I mean, it is somewhat, it is alignment based, but that's not the end all be all. So just I just want to say that much, but we'll use the the precision of the poses and the nuance of the poses as a gateway to draw the student inward. So if you're trying to focus on how your the big toe mound touches the floor and if there's equal pressure on the inside edge of your foot compared to the outside edge of your foot, that's going to bring you to some sort of single pointedness, right? Like that's so we we certainly use that technique a lot. Um, we also um, because we use props um, and we use props in different ways and for different reasons. And one of the ways that I quite enjoy is um, to get feedback. Right. So you lie over a bolster, you're opening your chest, maybe you're just in a raised shavasana, something like this. Yes, the bolster's there to help open your chest and you get a certain shape. However, how you touch the bolster, the right side of your back, the left side of your back, may be different. And if you can train yourself whenever you're using a prop to really observe the touch of your body to that prop, you can really learn different things about your practice, about your body, that sort of thing. And I think that's another vehicle for moving inward and kind of working towards that meditative state. Um, And then, yeah, from there, you know, you get into the pose and (laughs) I'm just remembering an expression that Prashant Iyengar would often say the last time I, I was in India, he he's saying, you guys, you, you do the pose, do the pose, do the pose. It's like doing, 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 done. But like, what about being in the pose, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of making that distinction. And so I think we all, we, we get sucked into sometimes some of the technique and being over, overly in that, in that way. Um, but yeah, we do need to, to move more to remember that the the asana is just the beginning. The shape is just the beginning. There's much yes. more. Yes. Yeah. And is there a recommended allotment of time you hold each pose for just in general for Iyengar? 
No, not really. Um, you you get different benefits depending on depending on the the situation. So sometimes it's beneficial to move quickly through the poses. And you know, if you're practicing, what well, we often say, how you practice depends on why. So if you're practicing for um, to get energy or to um, lift your spirits, I don't know, for different, for precision in the poses, that sort of thing. Maybe you'll practice in one way. And if you hold the poses for a long time, you'll get different benefits and different, different feedback from the asana. So is is not, there's not a, there's not a one way or a correct way. There's, there's just different ways. And yeah, another um, little anecdote that often circulates in the community that I love is um, somebody had asked BKS Iyengar back in the in the day, you know, something about a pose, like should I do it this way or should I do it that way? And his answer was, "Haven't you tried them both?" <laughs> 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 because um, you gotta you gotta you gotta learn from your experience and do see yeah. what see what the impact of the pose is. I love that. Very cool. Is there anything that you, you know, any projects you're working on or anything at the forefront of your mind that you want to share related to sure. your practice, your studio, your students? Yeah, actually I did. I've recently launched a new website. So I have, um, there's the studio website, studiopoyoga.com. Mm-hmm. And you get a sense for sort of what we're all about at the studio. But then I also have my personal website, which is stufftensoryoga.com. And there is where I, I have my blog. I've actually been writing a blog for a number of years. It used to be called Yoga Bound, but I, I recently just um, rebranded it under this, this new site. Mm-hmm. And I have, you know, I write about, I've written about my story, how I came to yoga and just different things about my practice and lessons learned, some of my trips to India, that sort of thing. Um, and I'm, I, just recently launched a free email course, a five-day email course called Cultivate and Sustain Your Home Yoga Practice. And basically, it's five days. It's almost like you get a blog post delivered to your inbox um, each day. And it's tips and techniques for motivating and inspiring on the, on the mat. Cool. Sounds great. Addressing different different challenges that people have and uh, trying to get them to to think about their practice. And one of the principles that I feel really strongly about is this idea of your yoga practice your yoga practice being personal. So, you know, it it would have been or could have been pretty pretty easy for me to just come up with you know a dozen different sequences package them together and say you know here's a program for home practice and that would have been fine and it can be you know certainly very valuable um but how does the student know if that's the right practice for them on a particular day right because as i was saying before how you practice depends on why so if I'm feeling depressed one day, do I practice the same way as if I'm feeling like exuberant and just want to calm myself down or, you know, or if I'm right. feeling anxious, do I need to practice differently? 
Um, or if it's if the I'm hottest feeling... day of the year or the coldest day of the year. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, um, so some of the writings that I did in this course were to sort of address some of those things and give people some tools for learning how to, you know, observe what they need to observe in themselves and then, and then use that information to, to develop their own home practice. Because when the practice feeds your needs, then you always have time to practice. Yeah. Right. You know, like I, I, I used to think that, um, my experience was a little different than, than the typical student because I always practiced because I was in so much pain, like I, I needed to practice. It was, it was just essential. So, but then as I improved, I still, my home practice sustained, like I didn't lose motivation. And so in thinking about that, I think it's because at this point I so inherently trust in the process. I know that the practice can feed me in whatever way I need. It's like my, my personal toolbox. Um, and so I think that everybody can develop a yoga toolbox and that's the kind of thing that I, I try to get into a little bit in this course. So cool. That sounds good. I want to get in on this course. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should sign up. <laughs> Very cool. And what I love about yoga is that I'm always learning and there's always, you know, future further levels of assessment and all that kind of stuff that yeah. as I teachers, we are sort of, you know, we do tend to continue on. I was going to say we're expected to do. We're not really expected to do, but, you we, know. Sometimes we expect <laughs> ourselves to. Yeah, that's probably more. more There's always future trips so. to India. Absolutely. I, I'm already looking forward to going back. So I haven't done my first trip yet. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, such, it's such a gift. When, I mean, when we go um, to the Anger Institute, it's like a, a month-long immersion and you get a full break from, you know, home life, work life. All I do when I'm there is yoga. It's it's incredible. Which city is <laughs> so that? Full immersion. It's in Pune. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I love how yoga is just, like you said, never ending. Like you're a beginner decades into the practice. Absolutely. Even, you know, when you're the old, you're, your eldest age, you're... Um, there's still so much more always there's always I'm always learning and it's amazing how much I learn from my students too like now you know I learn from the practice but I learn from teaching it goes it feeds me in different ways but um yeah it's it really is a rich practice what differentiates Iyengar from other forms of yoga? Well, what I usually tell students who come to my classes, you know, maybe from another discipline of yoga, mm -hmm. is I tell them that the poses themselves, the asanas themselves, will likely be familiar. I mean, they're they're ancient. Mm -hmm. um, but the style of teaching can be a bit different. So, you know, I'm really specific. I'm going to tell them where to place their foot and how to turn their leg. And we... Um, we might spend a little bit more time almost workshopping the poses as opposed to more swiftly moving from pose to pose. There, there's little differences. But, you know, having said that, I, I also teach classes where we will move vigorously from pose to pose. So there's there's a little bit of everything in Iyengar Yoga. But mm -hmm. I, I what I hear, the feedback I hear from people who do have experience in different disciplines is about the specific the specific of the teaching, the specificity of the teaching okay. and precise sort of 
alignment based type of instructions. Yeah. Cool. You've inspired me to take more Iyengar. I've probably done like only a handful of classes in my whole yoga journey. Uh, so I'm definitely inspired. Oh, great. Well, more. that makes me very yeah. happy. Yeah, yeah we should, we should find one around here. Pictures. Yeah, um, I bring people who are new to yoga generally to an Iyengar class um, just because it is specific. It's not, um, you know, it's not heated. It's not really vigorous, fast paced all of the time. I'm like, yeah. they're use a lot of props. So, yeah. We'll try yeah. it out. Let me know how you like it. Yes. <laughs> and then when we're in Canada, we'll come to your studio. Yeah. Absolutely. Drop me a line for sure. Totally. Cool. And if you come down to Los Angeles, be sure to get in touch with us. Uh, will do. Will do. Thank you. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. Take care, guys. You Bye. too. You too. Cheers. Bye-bye. Namaste. Well, that went well. Yeah. Yeah. She seems very knowledgeable and... Iyengar yoga. Everybody needs more Iyengar. Yeah, it makes me want to get back to my books. Yes. And I was thinking my mom has a lot of back problems. Right. She has the same things that Stephanie has, the degenerative discs, herniated discs, so scoliosis. This a good thing for your so mom. Perhaps, yes, I want to send, sign my mom up for Stephanie's five-day email course. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. I'll take her to some Iyengar classes. The people who put together the system I was trained in, had uh, had a background in Iyengar as well as other systems, and they, there's a lot of alignment, you know, cues. There's a lot of emphasis on that. It's Mukti Yoga, um, but I I don't always necessarily know which school what thing comes from. So it's nice to kind of talk to people from different schools and start to realize, like, oh, okay, that's where the the really specific alignment based stuff must come from. Yes, yes. You know how in teacher trainings you touch on all the different styles, right. but unless you really spend a lot of time and go deeper, uh, you don't have the, the full understanding as you do in your own kind of specialty. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I know a couple, my friend, she is super into like Bikram, hot yoga, really vigorous yang style yoga, mm -hmm. and her boyfriend is into Iyengar, and when they take each other to class, neither can stand the other one. <laughs> They know it's the lesson that they, like, you know, one needs the other more, but it's just a matter of of surrendering and doing the practice that per se is good for you, but you don't necessarily gravitate toward. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting about, I mean, what she was saying about um, choosing your practice based on why you're practicing. Yes. Sometimes I'll, I'll do like four poses and take forever doing them but I'll walk away being like oh well that was lazy you know like if I were in a class I would have been more motivated to like really get the let out but it, I mean maybe that was exactly what I needed was to do exactly. those four poses yeah and I think if you just move from a place of one observing and then listening to what you need the outcome of what you do is completely different every time yeah and yeah like if you're leaving a class feeling uh, tired or less energized or some outcome, you may be on autopilot. Cause I think Maybe, sometimes with yeah. yoga, you can, it can almost become a habit because I've been working on habit breaking and habit breaking normally connotes like, Oh, something is bad about what you're doing. So you need to change it. But actually I had a habit of just going on autopilot to my regular yoga classes. Like, you know, I do this class at six 30 and this it was too much, too regimented where I wasn't checking in enough. Um, so now I just check in and I'm actually doing 
less physical practice, but more meditation. Interesting. Just constantly check in. Yeah, it is kind of fun to let someone else kind of take over your brain for a while and just, you know, like have the body do whatever the teacher says and just, yeah, totally check out. But yeah, it's interesting the difference between something like that and being more mindful and present with the experience. Yes. Thank you all for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, Lindsay, for, for being our co-host two episodes in a row. Well, thank you, Edward. I'm honored to be a part of this. And uh, thank you all for listening, and um, we'll talk to you next time. Namaste.